Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Transformation Radio.
And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 27. We'll read through chapter 12, verse 17. Before we begin our actual reading of Scripture, let's uh, take a look at what's going on here. The religious leaders were in a quandary. They'd wanted to trap Jesus with a question that would show him to be either a blasphemer or a weird fanatic. Instead, Jesus had countered their question with a question about John the Baptist. Now they would have to try to save face. They had not stood up for John or tried to get him released. John had irritated them just as Jesus was doing. Always cloaked in self-interest, these religious leaders were only concerned about position and reputation. They were not looking for the truth. Now, in the book of John chapter 3, Jesus summed up this attitude. He said, people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. People who reject Jesus' claims have a greater problem than intellectual doubt. They are, in fact, rebelling against Christ's control of their lives. They try to ask tricky questions, but don't really want an answer. Sincere seekers, however, will find the truth. We'll read about a parable here today. In this parable, the man who planted the vineyard is God... The vineyard is the nation Israel. The tenant farmers are Israel's religious leaders. The servants are the prophets and priests who remained faithful to God. The son is Jesus, and the others are the Gentiles. Now, the religious leaders not only frustrated their nation's purpose, but also killed those who were trying to fulfill it. They were so jealous and possessive that they ignored the welfare of the very people they were supposed to be bringing to God. Uh, By telling the story, Jesus exposed the religious leader's plot to kill him and warned that their sins would be punished. Now, Jesus referred to himself as the stone rejected by the builders. Although he would be rejected by most of the Jewish leaders, he would become the cornerstone of a new building, that is, the church. The cornerstone was used as a base to make sure the other stones of the building were straight and level. But in the same way, Jesus' life and teaching would become the church's very foundation, the cornerstone. Now, the Pharisees were primarily a religious group concerned with ritual purity. The supporters of Herod were a, a Jewish political group that approved of Herod's compromises with Rome. The Pharisees did not like Jesus because he exposed their hypocrisy. The supporters of Herod also saw Jesus as a threat. Supporters of the dynasty of Herod the Great, so-called, they had lost political control when, as a result of reported unrest, Rome deposed Archelaus, Herod's son, with authority over Judea, and replaced him with a Roman governor. Well, the supporters of Herod feared that Jesus would cause still more instability in Judea, and that Rome might react by never allowing the Roman leaders to step down and be replaced by a descendant of Herod. All right, with uh, that backdrop, let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. March 4th, the New Testament. Mark chapter 11, verse 27. 
through chapter 12, verse 17. Again they entered Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded, By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied, Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? Answer me. They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, We don't know. And Jesus responded, Then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Then Jesus began teaching them with stories. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were either beaten or killed, until there was only one left, his son whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, Surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, Here comes the heir to this estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I'll tell you. He will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Didn't you ever read this in the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus, because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the crowd. So they left him and went away. Later the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, Why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin, and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Psalm 47, verses 1 through 9, for the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. He subdues the nations before us, putting our enemies beneath our feet. He chose the promised land as our inheritance, the proud possession of Jacob's descendants, whom he loves. Interlude. God has ascended with a mighty shout. The Lord has ascended with trumpets blaring. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King over all the earth.
praise Him with a psalm. God reigns above the nations, sitting on His holy throne. The rulers of the world have gathered together with the people of the God of Abraham. For all the kings of the earth belong to God. He is highly honored everywhere. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. The fears of the wicked will be fulfilled. The hopes of the godly will be granted. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away. But the godly have a lasting foundation.
Here's today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Forgiving those who have wronged us is a tough command to follow. Our human nature finds it easier and more satisfying to hold on to our anger. But as vessels of God's love, Christians no longer live according to the impulses of the flesh. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, when someone mistreats us, we can not only forgive, but also show love to that person. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 tells us that love does not seek its own. Many people are preoccupied with their rights, yet the idea of entitlements is a worldly construct, not a biblical mandate. That's not to say we should thoughtlessly allow others to take advantage of us. Rather, the Bible teaches that our primary concern should be something other than our own interests. Namely, we're to be focused on showing God's love to our enemy. Love is not provoked. Maintaining a peaceful spirit when we're irritated is difficult, but the moments when we're persecuted or wronged are precisely the times we most need to be mindful of God's love flowing through us. Think how often Jesus had to face religious leaders who deliberately provoked Him, and yet, on the cross, He sought the Father's forgiveness for them too. And love does not take into account a wrong suffered. God's love flowing through us can carry away a hurt done by another person, but we must allow this to happen instead of holding on to pain. People will wrong us, but if we have a caring attitude and refuse to be provoked or preoccupied with rights, then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to let go of bitterness and forgive with love.
late shift She's working hard providing for her Three kids She hasn't seen her husband Cause they're stretched thin Nobody told her it'd be this hard There's no end in sight But she says no Okay, on Minute with Maxwell today, the word is money. Are you ready? As you're watching, listening to this, guess who would want me to talk on the subject of money? A guy by the name of Eric Millian. Eric, talk to me, friend. Talk to me. Did you, did you get that name by birth, or did you, when you were like 21 years old, have an ambitious desire to make money and change your name? I mean... Eric Million wants me to talk about money. I mean, that's almost as bad as Susie Penniless wants me to talk about money. He's a business owner in Lexington, Kentucky. And Eric, I, th- I hope that you've done well. I, I, hope that, I hope you have in your bank account what your name says. But let me just say this. If you have a million or two million, Eric, in your bank account, you're going to know something that I already know. And all of the people I'm in it with Maxwell need to know. Money is a wonderful thing. But it's not the main thing. Money does two positive things for you in your life. One, it gives you options. And two, it gives you an opportunity to help people. I know of no other values of money except options. And if you have a lot of money, you get to choose. You get to choose where you go, travel. You get to choose where you go, first class or coach. You get, you get choices. You get options. Money gives you options. That's the wonderful thing. I value options. And so, therefore, I value money because of what it gives me. But I also value money more, Eric, because it allows me to pass on to others. And I've been blessed and I've made quite a bit of money. But can I tell you something? Ten to one, the joy of giving is greater than the joy of receiving. Trust me on this. But by the way, hey, you got to make it to give it. Okay, Eric Million, I've talked about money for you. Go make some.
I see the work of your hands Galaxies spinning a heavenly dance Oh God, all that you are I hear the sound of your voice All at once it's a gentle and thundering noise Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming I delight myself in you Captivated by your beauty No. 
Pack here with Transformation Radio, just reminding everyone that Family Day that was canceled February the 21st has been rescheduled to this Saturday, March the 7th in Lancaster from 11 to 3 p.m. Thank you and have a blessed day.
Tyler Pack here with Transformation Radio, and I have here today new Phase 3 member, Jim Hank, and he's going to share a testimony with you. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Hank. I just moved up to Phase 3 this past Monday, and I just wanted to shout out what the refuge has done for me. Just remember going through Phase 1, just kind of in a bliss, like a lot of people, similar story there, kind of just getting off drugs, trying to get your head together, and connecting with God, and I felt that happened in a very, very powerful way, and that was my first bridge that was rebuilt, and then slowly, some of the other bridges I had burnt, you know, similar stories to everybody else, slowly they're getting relationships back with my sons and daughters, not all of them yet, but it's in God's time and coming up to phase three is just a, another time where I'm just looking forward to what I can do for the Lord in this ministry because he's done so much for me and he's, it's just been such a blessing being in this ministry and, and uh, I get very emotional sometimes when I want to talk about that because I know we all feel undeserving, but we do deserve it because we were made in his image. We're, you know, God made us in his image, so we're deserving of, to receive everything he's got for us and I'm here to receive and give back and serve, serve my brothers and just love on my brothers and love the Lord. Thank you.
for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.